In a world where heresy blankets the airwaves, religious stuffed shirts suck the life out of Sunday morning, and prosperity teachers rob grandmothers of their pensions, three unassuming ministers endeavor to shine the light of biblical theology and put the fun back in fundamentalism. Broadcasting live from the Hall of Dogma... Brought to you this week by a love story between a donkey and a horse. Welcome into episode 63 of the Gospel Friends. I am Reverend Verbage. I'm Chase. And do we need like a, a parental warning about this? I don't think so. Okay. I'm Nick, and I'm afraid I'm going to have to change our, change our tag on iTunes. Yeah. And uh, we also are joined this week by the director. Director, say hello. Hello. Okay. You want to the enter? director said hello. <laughs> <laughs> the director Tony Vance live from his hidden lair in West Virginia. Okay, underground you're hiding the lair if you keep talking about it. Underground, uh, underground bunker. Class, uh, excuse me. The number of chromosomes found in the offspring of a donkey and a horse is sixty-three. Well, everybody knows that. Well, they do if you listen to the gospel, friends. All right, and are informed mm-hmm. by the intro. I so. didn't know you were a closet geneticist. I didn't actually know. I knew you were closet other things, but not geneticist. <laughs> Can... <laughs> wow. Are you going to edit that out? Probably You better not. not. That was a great Hey, um, I didn't actually know donkeys and horses could have babies. Yeah, but I think their offspring is uh, sterile, is it not? There's is something new. Yeah, and mules can't have babies, right? Sterile? Yeah. Is that like Almost sterile? Almost. Always. Is that like sterile? It is, but it's uh, more of a British way of saying it. But it's it. said funny. I have yeah, a feeling the three of us should probably defer to the guy from West Virginia on this who actually yeah. knows the term. That's true. If, if anybody knows about mules, it's people in West Virginia. Is that what you're saying, Nick? <laughs> <laughs> I have met a mule or two in my life. Hey, that's good, Alabama. We're, we're calling we West called Virginia the gospel out today. today for the show. Yep. We are calling West Virginia out. Oh, my gosh. Oh, country roads. It reminds me of the time we had a visitor in the church from New York City, and uh, I called out New York City people. It was great. That was awesome. She's still here at the church. She is though. still here, though. That's Praise God for so, that. So, Tony, what's been going on with you, buddy, up in uh, West Virginia since we had you on last? Oh, oh a little bit of everything. Uh, uh, the biggest thing has been since, uh, since I've been on the show was uh, my, um, the denomination that I'm a part of has uh, actually uh, reinstated my ordination whatever that means um, <laughs> well um, yeah i mean last time we had you on the show that's what we were discussing was your um you know that your story and and what had happened with uh you know with you and in your journey and you were working back toward restoration in the denomination your um your credentials and so that's finished up now i think the jehovah's witnesses made the right call there that's not reordain. That's not his Tony. denomination. Oh, is it not? No, he's Free Will Baptist. Oh, my bad. Sorry, Tony. That's right. Right. Yeah. Free Will Baptist. Yeah. Well, we're actually going to talk about that tonight. Uh, so later on in the show, we're we're going to bring back uh, Sean Francis uh, at at East of Wombat. At East of Wombat. Thank you. His favorite segment. I at, thought, at, I, at, I as thought the, you meant. I thought you. Meant, I thought you meant we were going to talk about free will Baptist. <laughs> well, we can do that too. We can talk about that too. That's during the um, that's during the her- heresy hunter section. We'll, oh we'll, uh, gosh! 
We're just kind of jerks today on the Gospel Friends. We're more like the Gospel oh, jerks. Tony I knows I'm just kidding. Yeah. Uh, no, I we're gonna so. we're gonna bring back the as the Driscoll turns segment. We That's have my a favorite segment. Mark Driscoll update. Sean Francis loves that particular segment, and it's going to be. We're gonna talk about restoration uh, for ministers, and let Tony share some more of of you know his story and journey and what's happening with him. Now, since you've been on with us the last time, though, Tony, you you have launched. Um, your own podcast, I understand. Is it so? Is is now? Is this in competition to the Gospel Friends? Is this? Uh, were you were you attempting to take us out? No, no. As part of my contract, uh, we we do not appear on the same station or channels. Okay, uh, good. At any time, good. Good. like Doctor Phil and Oprah. Good. We got the same good agreement. Okay. Good. Awesome. That sounds good. Now, what, what's the uh, name of your podcast? My podcast is called Everything According to Tony Vance. Nice. I, I like that. So what do you talk about? Uh, <laughs> Just a thing or two, probably. <laughs> I talk about everything. Oh, okay. Um, actually, Engagements. It's, it's kind of meta- he talks about that. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Uh, it's metamorphosed into kind of a um, – uh, I talk about current events, and then I'm, I've been interviewing a lot of different people, like uh, a lot of good friends out of the hall, Rob Johnson being an example. And, and um, so – uh, my brother comes on ever so often, and me and him usually get into some kind of discussion uh, or disagreement. So. Shout out to Robert Vance. That's it. So we, um, uh, I have no idea what I was about to say. None. Well, you're someone, a professional. Someone save me. So we uh, wanted to ask you about your brother Tony. This uh, is the problem that with the what's his I, this is the problem. Color? This is the problem with the iPhone. I picked the iPhone up and and I got distracted. I know what, what I was going to say. You mentioned that, that you too. interview people out of the hall. You were talking about the Hall of Dogma. If you're a first time listener to the show, that's our Facebook group, which you can reach by going to hallofdogma.com and ask to be let in, and we will let you in. And there's a lot of theological discussion and tomfoolery that happens in the Hall of Dogma. A lot of good guys there. Should we flip, and gals. Should we flip that ratio? Probably. Okay. Yeah. I don't even know what tomfoolery means. Well, there's a lot Probably of it in the Hall of Dogma. Probably everything that's happened on this show so far. Is there any also ladies left the in the Hall of Dogma, or did you run them all off, Chase? No, they're there. Affirmative in, in action fact, campaign. I can do some shout outs if you'd like uh, to Lucy and all right. Shout Lisa out, to, Tucker. shout out a couple. Uh, I mentioned her earlier. Is Lisa and, post in the uh, hall? Sarah, Lisa Tucker, yes, she does. Okay. And Ann Tally. Oh, that's and, enough. Okay, so what else are we going to do? Wow, <laughs> so close to really wow. getting Jeanette. What else are we going to talk about tonight? Jennifer Dean, Nick, Rachel, the Driscoll returneth. No, we've already talked about that. Oh. Oh, the uh, Hillsong story yep. that Chase wants to do so much. So we're going to talk about oh, Brian. Oh, you're kidding. Brian's the most boring story. Why are we talking about Houston. choirs on this show? Brian, it's not about the choir. It's about Brian Houston. 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 I, I looked it up. Okay, I Tony says Houston. You say Houston, and you say Houston. Oh, I don't. I think it's actually Houston. I was just saying okay. that. I, it was more like Houston. It is a little. It's like Houston. So I know this is going to shock Aussies you guys, say. but there was some controversy this week with Hillsong Church. Yeah. <gasps> Yeah, well, we're not going to talk about the choir part of it because that would be that would just put everybody asleep, right? <sighs> we're going to mention it. Oh, great! All right, so anyway, lots of good stuff tonight on episode sixty-three of the Gospel Friends. We're going to do a little bit of listener feedback. There are people who listen to the show and enjoy it. Um, believe it or not, I do have some breaking news. 
Oh, well, go ahead. I Share. just got a text that uh, two more people are going to be baptized at the Hall of Dogma Church next week. Praise God. Ron and Cat. Praise awesome. God indeed. Praise God. You don't sound really excited about that. Do you not like people getting baptized and I saved am, and coming to Jesus? I do, but this podcast is not about the Hall of Dogma Church per se. I just thought people would want to share in our joy. Well, should we just like take a five-minute break and... You think that's too... Let people enjoy is, is too much to give to celebrate. No, but they could pause life. the recording and, and celebrate and then come back. Oh, so like kind of like a five minute moment of silence yes. where you pause and yes. I, I think that's a good idea. Okay. Okay, press pause on your MP three players while we rejoice. And we're back. Samuel Lovell at Samuel underscore Lovell on Twitter this week. Uh, he's referencing episode sixty one where Nick was asked if he had a TARDIS and Samuel just wanted to remind us that there's only one TARDIS, and it's his, the doctor. So Samuel Lovell, the doctor, uh, who we appreciate listening to the show. Absolutely. James McSorley on um, from previous Ireland. from Ireland, where they have the national dung spitting competition, <laughs> as we learned on a previous episode. Did you listen to that, Tony? Would you? Oh, absolutely! Yes, one of yeah. my one of my most uh, tasteful uh, episodes ever. Tasteful, oh, Tony. How far can you spin? Can you spit a ball of dung? <laughs> is um, did did you say tasteful on purpose, Tony, or was that a Freudian slip there? What? What? Did, okay, <laughs> I'm not sure. James McSorley said, "Ah, I was hoping our noble ancient martial art wouldn't be discovered to the rest of the world." Dang. Hashtag dung spitting. So uh, James, very proud from Ireland as uh, as uh, we uh, discovered. And uh, I do understand that they're trying to make that Olympic sport so we get a gold medal for dung spitting. At Dr. Ad Hominem said, I was really moved by David Platt while listening to the Gospel Friends, and now I'm ready to send Nick Jenkins to Iran for the Gospel. Hashtag one way. Yeah. Yeah. Love that. That almost sounds like uh, Dr. Ad Hominem might be flipping sides there, right? Because he's wanting to send out missionaries for the gospel? That's good news. Uh, well, yeah. Nick? What, did I miss something in that tweet? Nick, are you? Just the, yeah. You're Captain Obvious today. Les Steubing, at Real Les Steubing, continues his quest to get Barnabas Piper to come on the Gospel Friends or at least listen to an episode. He tweeted us and Barnabas again this week and says that we should invite him out on the podcast. Well, we had John Piper scheduled for today, and then he <laughs> didn't didn't uh, wasn't able to make it. Rick Warren was also a possibility. Brett Kunkel, all of those fell through. So, uh, I'm not saying Tony Vance was the fourth choice, but um, <laughs> one of those statements was true. Actually, one of those statements was true. Rob Halton. How do you say Rob's like? Is that is it Halton? I think that's pretty close. Halton. Right, Rob Halton. And this or is Halton. His, Rob Halton. Halton at Count It All Dung on Twitter. He must like that Northern Ireland sport. Now that I've listened to, uh, and it's Weird Al Yankovic's lasagna, I believe I'm prepared to hear the Gospel Friends' newest podcast. So (laughs) thanks, Rob, for listening. He actually uh, put in the hall this week that he had downloaded the first episode and maybe he would listen. And apparently he did listen. He said later on he listened. Good. good, At Can't Stop Podcast, uh, which is Can't Stop Talking. Uh, it's a new podcast. I'm not actually sure who's doing that. Do you guys? Those know? are the guys that used to do the uh, Left of Center podcast. Okay. Well, they they I said I uh, can't stop talking podcast. I figured it would have been yours. Mm. <laughs> At can't stop podcast, they said one of our goals with this podcast is to get into a dodgeball tournament with the Reform Pubcast and the Gospel Friends. Done. Can I'm yeah. I'm afraid we lose. Why would we lose? I understand. We bring in some ringers. We Chase, have the general. Chase is a big target, and he can't move. <laughs> 
I can move. You, you guys want to have a gospel friends race right now? Because I want to have a gospel friends dodgeball tournament. That would be awesome. That would be. Fun. I love dodgeball. I do have a torn rotator cuff. There. There, there we go. But I can catch, and that's important. We could bring in the general. Who general. else could we bring in? Ooh, the general is kind of athletic. I'm good at dodgeball. Tony, can you play you can dodgeball? Dodge uh, one of our uh, games that we play at our church camp is a uh, version of uh, dodgeball. It's uh, doctors and uh, uh, physicians or doctors and soldiers or something, but we we play team dodgeball. We try to kill each other with a ball, and uh, it's a lot of fun for the Lord. That sounds awesome. <laughs> it's great to try to kill people with the ball for the Lord. We need a church camp, something or another. What's wrong with Southern Baptists? Free will uh, Baptists. I don't know. I'd have camp. to find a Probably Baptist a lot pastor. of stuff. Okay. Okay. Anyway, uh, I, I think that'd be great. We could get. Uh, I wonder if Kristen Brown. He's 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 kind of nimble and skinny. No, he's a golfer. Yeah, you're right. He's Ooh. a good golfer. Yeah. Hey, Probably. Doctor Septum is pretty agile for a man of his. You know. Uh, so here's a trivia uh, answer to a trivia question for you. So Doctor Septum and I first met. Skinner's pretty athletic too. Ch- uh, Y'all have to be in the same room together, though. Yeah, Did y'all would. go to the same kindergarten together with uh, Dr. Septum no, and John no. Dr. Septum led a youth group down the street. I led a this uh, a youth group here. Yeah. And so we started doing like a, a monthly gathering of our uh, youth groups, and we would play dodgeball against each other. And um, let's just say it didn't go well for Dr. Septum and oh, his wow. team. You and I need I need to have a revenge game of Ultimate Frisbee with you, too. You've never beat me in Ultimate Frisbee. I know. Hence, Are you kidding? No. Mm. Because We've played like eight or ten games. Yeah, he's never beat me. I, I, I've only actually played two or three against Dave. Me and my oh, team run a very West Coast offense. Very, uh, We're just like down the field, short passes. Yeah, I've and, also uh, played Ultimate Frisbee with you. Yes, and I don't think you beat me either. Uh, that is incorrect. You are you're, you Seven always try you always try to go for the home run. I do all all the time. And I so do. We kind of ran the defense is not my forte in ultimate frisbee. What were you thinking? The segment where we take a look at the uh, world beautiful transition. Are we just now getting the content? Yeah, oh <laughs> we, we take a look what at the it, world around us. In? All the crazy things happening out there. Uh, we're uh, going 15. only okay. one tonight. Texarkana, Texas. And this is, is a, a real this place? is a little interesting. What were you thinking? It sounds, yeah. sounds like a made it up. Sounds city like a location name. in a country song. Yeah, uh, this is a little. Uh, I think we can actually have some discussion over this. This is rather interesting. Texas judge. I, I, I wish the general was here for this. Texas judge gives man a choice: get married or go to jail. All right, let's, oh let's, let's pause while we picture the general and what he's saying in the oh, car. We know what he would say. I'm having to edit too. There, there's some pants. Oh, you know what? My wife listens to the podcast sometimes, so I would say I would choose getting married. All right, and Chase is out for the rest of the segment. Go ahead. Okay, a 20-year-old East Texas man jumped into a quickly arranged marriage after a judge told him last month he had a choice of getting hitched or spending 15 days in jail on an assault charge. So what had happened is Jostin Bundy of Tyler, Texas, had gotten into a fight with his then-girlfriend's ex-boyfriend. Okay. Okay. That happens. Uh, the judge said he would grant probation if Bundy married his 19-year-old girlfriend, Elizabeth, within 30 days. He also had to write Bible verses and attend counseling. If he declined, he would go to jail for 15 days. The judge then asked Bundy, is she worth it? I don't understand what the judge was trying to I'm, accomplish. I don't I'm either, you, Nick. Actually. 
Um, the bride's father was angry at the judge for pressuring the pair into marriage and was looking into whether this was judicial misconduct, which to me kind of sounds like. Um, the couple who had talked about eventually getting married but did not have immediate wedding plans is happy they have tied the knot but did not appreciate being forced into it. I didn't even have a white dress, the bride said. Hmm. So, um, do we know anything, any more background about the fight? No. I mean, it was probably, I, I bet beer was involved. Oh, there was absolutely liquor of some sort. Natural light. Sort. Natural it might light. have been a feud, Natty. Yeah. Tony, do you guys get a lot of feuds up your way? Uh, never had a feud in West Virginia. There's uh, never been a reason for feuds. Uh, we're, we're the most civilized people that, uh, no, they, this sounds like something would have happened in West Virginia, to be honest with you. I thought that's what, what, what was going on here. Now, we have a story about mules in a minute. That one's from West Virginia, but so <laughs> that's beautiful. <laughs> all right. I mean, let me say this first. If, if I, I mean, I think I'd take the 15 days before I would be forced into marriage. Well, what if you love the woman? I, even still, I mean, being, I mean, that's just, you're going to tell that story to your kids and grandkids. Uh, we got married when the judge made us. What? I'm saying I would take 50, I would take the 15 days in jail Have over you been to jail? being forced into marriage, uh, only as a visitor. Okay, but never as an as an inmate. No, no. but it's 15 Nick, days. Have you been to jail as an inmate? Because I'm in front of a microphone, right? Well, yeah. Now. Can I can I can I interject? I was I was going to yeah, ask yeah. you next, Tony. Have yeah. you been to jail? I have not been to jail, but if you go to jail, you may end up married to somebody else. Mm. Oh, that is a, a good point. solid point there. That's a good point. I hadn't thought David's about argument. that one. I hadn't thought about that. Uh, Tony said, I'm sorry, Nick had stepped away. Tony said that if you do go to jail, you could end up married to someone else. Ooh. So, uh, <laughs> kind of rolling the dice there. I don't, I don't think, I think I'd take the 15 days. I mean, you could do 15 days with well, your eyes Just clothes, barely Chase. over two weeks, right? Yes, it is barely over two weeks. That's a cute long time to calculate that. It's it's barely over two weeks. (laughs) This sounds to me like, okay, this this sounds like overreach, obviously, judicial overreach. Yes. And, I mean, I'm a Christian. I don't know if y'all know that. I'm a Christian. Are you? Yeah. Pre-show, I was wondering if any of us were Christians other (laughs) than Tony. That's every week. But, I mean, the judge, okay, you've got a... Marry your girlfriend to prove that you find her worthwhile. Yeah. You got to write Bible verses. You have a problem with that? I yeah, a little, to okay. be honest, I do. What was your previous question? Was I Christian? Yeah, I was, I was trying to tie <laughs> those two things together. But Are you honestly going. think I mean that's making someone write Bible verses is gonna cause them to turn over a new leaf. Well the thing about the word of God is, David, it is it is not only active. <laughs> But it is get, also living. I'm getting bobbled. And it is sharper <laughs> than a stick. Yes, a lot. Or a rake. I need an organ Or right a now. wall. Or even a double-edged sword. And so it could have benefit even if you're writing it down for punishment. Tony, what do you think about this? Uh, you think you think Bible verses. Save us from ourselves. Writing Tony. Bible verses and forcing someone to get married is a little bit of an overreach. Overreach on the on the uh, getting married Bible verses couldn't hurt. Yeah, Amen. There's a real Christian for you. Here's here's what here real Christian statement from the captain there. So I, I'm surprised in the state that we are now with laws. I'm a, I'm surprised he was allowed to 
issue that as a bench order. Uh, that is probably true. Texarkana does sound a little Bible Beltish, though. So, well, I, I understand, but again, I'm, I'm surprised they couldn't push back on that. All right, imagine this scenario. Imagine you're still with the girlfriend three, four years later. All right, you so you 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 tell the judge, I, I don't want to marry Felicia, whatever her name is. I would ask you, David, but you're typing on your phone. Yes. Um, I'm not listening. I, I don't want to marry Felicia. I'd rather go to jail for two weeks. Well, that's the end of the relationship, is it not? I mean, what woman would accept, would would take that anything but but poorly? You don't like you you think so little of me that you would rather go to jail than marry me. But that's, but, that's break. That's just an instant breakup right there. But being forced into marriage like that is not a way to start a relationship either. Well, I mean. I, I agree. I'd take I'd take the jail time, and then you could get out and play all the video games you want. Okay. Oh, well, I would say that's harkening back to a previous episodes. Harkening back to previous episodes on, uh, you know, marriage and giving people issues, relationships, giving people issues, be able to play their video games. Okay, Tony, would you take the fifteen days or marriage? Uh, if it was my wife, I would marry. If it was. Uh Somebody that I didn't care for, I'd take the 15 days. Tony, I think that's kind of a cop-out answer. I'm just going to be honest. Hey, that's some good situational <laughs> uh, ethics right there. I'm with you, Tony. I think that's a bit of a – that sounds like a man. How long have you been married, Tony? 27 years. That sounds like an answer a man who's been married for 27 <laughs> years would give. <laughs> if it do, was David. my wife – I mean, your wife. Does, does your wife listen to the show? Uh, she she not. doesn't she doesn't find it the most appealing thing. No, what? Um, but she'll listen. She'll listen. Well, she'll listen to. <laughs> you all never give her no shout outs. Nothing. She'll listen okay. to it when I'm on it. Tell me what. Give me her top two or three re, uh, things she doesn't like about the pop, podcast. Why? What? It's what too what serious. It? Number one. <laughs> <laughs> and you can't too, you too can't name the host. The host does not count as the three loud. things. Yeah. No, no, no. She no. She no criticism of the guys. She just thinks that we're, we're it's a little too silly. Silly. Uh, she and must. she don't think that we t- we talk about anything that she understands. That's um. a lot too. Those are a couple of criticisms my wife has occasionally of of <laughs> her spouse. Chase, what are some things that we could uh, talk about on the show that would interest women more? You know, I find that many in the female persuasion oh, appreciate no. it no, 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 no. when we kind of cut out some of the nonsense talk and actually get to straight-up content. Uh, perhaps we could talk about Bible passages, uh, feelings, emotions, all of those things <laughs> are, are valued by uh, uh, those of the uh, gentler persuasion. Flowers, too. David, what do you think ladies would like for us to talk about on the show? I, look, I, there's only one lady that I care about, and that's my wife, and she'd probably just prefer we talk about me more. <laughs> that had to have been planned right there, but I, I, will, give you, I will give you at least an A- minus for, for that. That was, that was amusing. All right, let's get into some serious comment. The story that Chase has been waiting for. Oh, this is going to be awesome. Hillsong Church Brian Houston corrects a report that openly, openly gay couple leads a New York church choir. Wait a minute. This is the choir story. And insist- <laughs> this is not awesome at all. And insist- his stance on homosexuality absolutely has not changed. So, I, By the way, I, I want to say this about Hillsong Church. 
I, up until maybe just the past few weeks, have known nothing about Hillsong except they put out music that, I'm going to be honest, I like. But I also like God's Not Dead, and I get a lot of flack for that. So I like Hillsong music. But apparently, like Hillsong, I guess, is you know some megachurch based out of, what, Australia? <laughs> You are really done. You have done your homework on this okay. segment. This is right. amazing. So, so, um, but they're apparently not that popular with a certain segment of Christians. Is that correct? Well, free will Baptists, for one, can <laughs> have a real struggle with his. his what is the what is the, and Calvinists, which what, is kind of ironic. What, what is think about it? Yeah. What is the what is the not the knock on Hillsong? Is it um, low on truth, high on grace, kind of? Soft I, well, on truth. You know, I guess it depends on who you ask. Uh, you know, they are a charismatic denomination, so uh, anybody that would be of a cessationist bent would struggle with that. Uh, but I, I think the last, I mean, okay, so so mid nineties is when Hill songs really started to become prominent over here. Uh, Shout to the Lord, mm-hmm. I will never be the same again. Those songs, Darlene Zetch was there. Yeah, Darlene Zetch was was the big. Uh, is she even with those songs anymore? I don't know, honestly. I don't. I don't know that she is either. But those songs were huge. They were. I mean, they were good songs. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but it seems like in the last uh, you know twenty years or so, things have gotten a lot more theatrical. Uh, you know, and and I think there's some people in the church that struggle with uh, how cool and theatrical they are. Theatrical, how though? And I guess that's my well, question. I'm, t- I'm, not, I'm not even necessarily giving my opinion on, on that movement one way or the other. Part of me is a little bit ignorant, but I'm talking. If you've seen their shows, if you've seen their videos, they have exceptionally good stage lighting, and, and okay, they okay. put on an amazing show. So it's a showman show. Okay. See, and you're thinking theatrical. I'm thinking, you know, I've, I've been in part of churches that were they had to have an illustration every sermon, and you almost could get more. Some churches I've seen could get more caught up in the illustration than the message. I, with Hillsong, I, I think I think rock show is what I think of yeah. when I think of Hillsong. So. Okay. Well, Hillsong, uh, there was a bit of a controversy uh, this week. Uh, we're not going to spend any time really talking about that because I don't think it's um, extremely um, interesting, according to Chase. He doesn't think there was – and really there wasn't much to it. So there was a story that came out that Hillsong had a openly gay couple serving or leading in their choir – um, Hillsong released a statement really correcting the report that um, essentially wasn't the case. Um, there was a, a couple – there was a couple they were unaware of that served in one of the choirs, not as leaders, uh, who were gay. And um, upon them kind of coming out as such, they were no longer actively serving in the choir. Now, the statement didn't say they'd been asked to step down. It, it, Brian Houston just they said to, from to, his, to his knowledge they were no longer um, serving in the choir. Uh, so he, he quoted back or uh, linked back to a blog post that he had made um, called Do I Love Gay People? Um, and it kind of coming out with his statement on – Homosexuality. I'm just going to read part of the statement. This will be in the uh, show notes, I believe. I'll send it over to Nick so we can get it in there if you want to read the whole thing. Uh, this is part of his statement. And, and just kind of want to get – just going to go around the table and just kind of get your thoughts um, on whether the statement is comprehensive enough or if it you know, leads some questions, uh, leads to some questions. And, and, and we recognize this is not our church, and 
uh, we just um, um, but this is a you know large church that has you know a lot of impact around the world. Hillsong Church welcomes all people but does not affirm all lifestyles. Put clearly, we do not affirm a gay lifestyle, and because of this, we do not knowingly have actively gay people in positions of leadership, either paid or unpaid. I recognize, this is Brian Houston, I recognize this one statement alone is upsetting to people on both sides of this discussion, which points to the complexity of the issue for churches all over the world. I love and accept people on a personal level, and if I live next to a gay couple, I would treat them with the same embrace I would any other neighbor, because surprise, surprise, not all my neighbors think like me. Everyone has a right to pursue happiness. I may totally disagree with you on what will bring people true happiness, and I will always teach and preach according to my personal convictions and the teachings of Scripture, but I cannot make other people's choices uh, for them. So uh, he says, everyone is welcome at Hillsong Church except for known predators, those who are disruptive, or those who have adversarial agendas. So if you are gay, are you welcome at Hillsong Church? Of course. You are welcome to attend, worship with us, and participate as a congregation member with the assurance that you are personally included and accepted within our community. But, this is where it gets vexing, can you take an active leadership role? No. So, based on that statement, and I'll, I'll kind of mention in a moment a couple of the questions that I had, but um, what do you guys think? Obviously, you know, ultimately, this segment really is not about let's let's go over Hillsong and, and what they're doing. None of us go to that church, but this is an issue that all churches are wrestling with, and as a pastor, uh, one of the pastors here at the Hall of Dogma Church, I can tell you that many people are, are telling pastors now, you need to get down in writing what you believe. You need to get down in writing and, and, and have it in your bylaws. And, and this is kind of a big push among churches right now. So initially, what it, you know, kind of what is your take on the statement from Hillsong? And then we'll, we'll talk a little bit from there. Uh, Chase, I'll go to you first. Well, David. Were you listening? Yes, I was listening. This is what I want to say. Why are you doing that voice? I'm just uh, thinking about Brian Houston, and he, he kind of has this deep, gravelly, baritone <laughs> sort of thing. Um, oh, my. Okay, so I said in pre-show, Brian Houston, he actually sounds like the Dark Knight Batman yes. with an Australian accent. He does. That it's was pretty, a funny it's, joke. It's pretty awesome. Yeah. I was we'll hear him here in a minute, actually. Yeah, you'll, so, so you'll get that a little bit more. Listen, I... I I don't uh, – I'm not a Hillsong scholar. I haven't studied them very much. I personally, just giving you my take, I worry about theatrics combined with worship. Hillsongs – there are some, some really good songs that, that seem scripturally solid, passionate, Godward, that I really like coming out of Hillsongs. But when, when you have a great stage show, when you have tickets being sold at a, at a high price, when you have – Exceedingly talented, beautiful people leading worship. Some, and I, I look, I, I'm stepping in it. I know. Sometimes I worry that all of that can represent a distraction from God when it's so perfect, so beautiful, such so, so well executed. And somebody's listening to this, pulling their hair out and saying, "Shouldn't we be excellent? Absolutely, we should be excellent. Should we be Hollywood-like?" And and this is this is a point of my struggle. I don't have a good answer. That's my preface to I think Brian Houston has done a credible job with this statement. 
It's not exactly how I would word it, but it seems to balance scriptural truth fairly well with grace and love. If I were writing, I probably would be a little bit stronger. But at the same time, that's just an issue of tone. I don't find anything in here uh, beyond maybe a sentence or two that I might uh, haggle with him a little bit on. I don't find anything in here I wouldn't. Dis, I would disagree with, and in fact, if we have we have largely a similar policy here at the Hall of Dogma Church. Can can people come here who are homosexual? Absolutely. Not only can they, but they would be welcomed and loved. Could they serve in a leadership position? No, but that doesn't but, but that doesn't mean they're not welcomed and desired here. That's my initial take. All right, I want to go to Nick, but first, just to clarify, you you're what I heard from all that is that. If you want a godly choir, you need to have ugly people in it. <laughs> that is that is when you boil down the essence of what I'm saying. Okay. I think if I were tweeting it out, that's what I would tweet. <laughs> okay. No right. beautiful people in choirs. Okay. So <laughs> hashtag not an opinion. So uh, Tony, you're a third string choir leader in West Virginia, correct? That's correct. Do you have mostly pretty people or mostly ugly people? Oh my! Oh no! no well, no. <laughs> well, <laughs> I can say that almost all of our choir leaders are less than handsome. So okay, okay good. Right, you good. Probably so, have so y'all a godly are probably choir. godly. Hey, look, man, y'all are on your way to first string. Yes, hey, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think about this statement from Houston? Lord Jesus, come quickly. Um, <laughs> I don't know why Tony's wife doesn't like this show. I don't either. We're so serious. <laughs> And I, I'm betting that Tony's third string choir has no women in it. Otherwise, he would not have said what he just said. He said choir leaders. So oh, he said choir leaders. So he was being okay. Yeah. All right, all right. Go ahead. So, a point of clarity from what Chase said: I don't think they sell tickets to church. I think they sell tickets to the Hillsong. That is, of course, work. correct. Okay, yes. so I just they do not sell tickets. I heard to that, church. and I and I I knew what Chase meant, but the Hillsong that would be a whole would, that hey, would be a whole new idea. that would be oh, a whole my. new. <laughs> That would be a whole new church technique. That would. <laughs> We're going to sell right, that tickets to our, uh, to our church. Nick, what do you think about the statement? Were you I, listening? Oh, oh yeah. Okay. And I was listening to the banter after. Um, I find it interesting that the expectation for pastors in larger churches to have all these questions answered and ready to go at a moment's notice seems – the pressure seems higher for pastors of larger churches. And – so much stock is put in what he said because of the size of his church. Um, I don't know that that's, that's not necessarily a comment on this statement as much as, as, as the issue I realize. Um, but, but the fact that we're supposed to just have these Twitter-friendly answers to these very complex questions um, is troubling to me because I think it's going to be increasingly more difficult for believers to really convey the truth of – who we are and why um, in that kind of scenario. As to his statement, I, I echo Chase's sentiments. I really liked his approach. Um, we've, we we kind of batted back and forth in pre-show how there's some verbal tightrope walking that he does um, that you know we were kind of talking about. All right, so does that mean you can join the church? Obviously leadership, yes, but what about joining the church? And there's questions like that. But I love the fact that he conveys that our doors are not closed to anyone unless there is a reason for us to worry about the safety of our congregation. And 
being gay doesn't make us worry about the safety of our congregation. And I love that everyone is is welcome here um, because I think the moment you start checking, you know, different things at the door, you hinder the the work of the gospel that can be done. So, all right. So, Tony, I want to come over to you. The the only thing that and I don't know if you picked up on this or not, Tony. I want to go back and read the sentence again. So if you're gay, you're welcome at Hillsong Church. I'm assuming there that we're talking about actively living that lifestyle, not talking about people who struggle with homosexual temptations, which we've, we've there is a difference, and we've talked about that on Absolutely. the podcast several, several times. So if you are gay, you're welcome at Hillsong Church. Of course, uh, you are welcome to attend, worship with us, and participate as a congregation member with the assurance that you are personally included and accepted within our community. Now, when I heard that, my question was, does that mean you are welcome to join the church as a member? Or or does participate as a congregation member just mean you can be among the congregation? Because I think that, that for me, this this is a pretty big difference there. Um, I don't know, Tony, if you, you picked up on that when we originally read it or not, but give me your thoughts on the statement in general. Well, I want to uh, affirm what uh, both Chase and Nick has already said. I think that uh, both uh, both of them brought out uh, some good points about uh, what we should or shouldn't say about what he did say. Uh, and I, and I, I do like that you brought out what does that mean, what does being part of the congregation, because uh, – if if I was the pastor of a church, um, I can't rightfully say that uh, as a homosexual, and that would be somebody, in my opinion, somebody that is participating in that lifestyle. Um, and I don't like terms. I push back on those terms. I, I, I constantly, when I talk to people about this, I constantly are pushing back on the terms because it's cons- these are terms that have been uh, created um, to to describe things that the Bible doesn't use those terms. Um, these are these are uh, you know modern terms, uh, gay and uh, lesbian and these these kind of things. Uh, the Bible speaks of actions, so um, I think we need to to limit it to that. And I think that his statement is fine. Uh, other than I would have the issue with the membership thing. I think that that would be where I would wanna I would want him to clarify that because I. I, too, would agree that we need to welcome them in. Uh, where are they going to get the gospel from? Uh, they're not going to get it from, you know, the gay church that's preaching that you can be anything you want. Uh, it's kind of funny. In my in my Sunday school class this morning, we talked about, uh, I should say I talked about, uh, the uh, sexual revolution and that the, uh, the homosexual lifestyle and the gay agenda, that's only part of it. Um, the no-fault divorce and being allowed to do anything you want uh, with your body without uh, consequences uh, or hoping without consequences. And, and they can't live in that lifestyle in this world because there is consequences. So, um, yeah, so Absol- I, I, absolutely. And, and, and I think that's, you know, for me, this is where um, I think there's a gray area between uh, it sounds like we're all in agreement. I mean, it would be no to leadership, but I think there's a gray area between serving in leadership and not being welcomed in the door. So we we all believe that people from all walks of life should be welcomed into the congregation and and, and be able to um, be among the church. 
and it sounds like we all agreed that people who are actively living in a lifestyle contrary to the word, and so we could homosexuality or if someone was in the midst of an affair or if someone was, um, I don't know what all examples I could come up with, but um, if someone's actively living in a lifestyle that is contrary to the word, we are, um, they're not going to serve in leadership. But there, I think there's a gray area in between, and one of those to me is, is, is church membership. Um, because a lot of churches have being a member of the congregation, and I know here there are certain things that you have to affirm to be a member of the congregation, certain things that you have to affirm, uh, affirm belief-wise. Um, but I think there's just a whole lot of kind of tricky, you know, um, so Chase, would you, would you let someone who is gay actively living a homosexual lifestyle, would you let them serve in any position in the church? A position that's not considered leadership. Let's say um, uh, serving Bus. drink s- serving drinks at a at a back you know table of coffee uh, you know where you give out coffee or juice. What were you going to say, Tony? Bus driver. Bus driver. Some some position that is not a leadership position. That's a great question. Uh, are, are we talking about defiantly gay, as in? Yeah, we're, this, I'm talking about actively living this, li- embracing yeah. and living the lifestyle. We're this not is not a someone... sin. This is the lifestyle I'm going to yes. lead. No, yeah. and neither would I, we. I don't think we would let somebody drive the bus here, as Tony says, who uh, is is, um, is 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 sexual sinning in another active, unrepentant way. Now, here's a question for you, um, along those lines. Uh, Let's say a young college student comes here. His name's James. James uh, hears the gospel. He believes the gospel. He says, uh, I have a pornography addiction. I'm not sure I'm ready to give it up, but I believe in Jesus. Uh, Of course, we say to him, Jesus would call on you to repent from that. But he he says, I I believe in Jesus alone for my salvation. I'm trusting uh, in him to take away this desire from me and to deliver me from pornography. But over, you know, the first couple of weeks of getting to know him, we kind of learn that James tells us that he keeps going back to the well of pornography. Do we deny him church membership? Do we let him drive the bus? I say... Go ahead, Nick. Oh, I was going to – but it, it goes back to me of that repentant nature of it or not. Um, yeah. If he's engaging with a, a minister or an elder in the church in an accountability relationship and it's, and it's something he's warring against in his flesh, my pushback on him becoming more involved diminishes because to me that shows fruit of repentance. If, if he's like, no, I, you know, I can't – break this chain in my life and and he stops resisting to me that's unrepentant sin and that's that's where that line crosses over to repentance and non-repentance but you've got to have you've got to have somebody in the church he is that willing to be open and vulnerable with too and and that, and that person has to, this is where it gets even trickier that person almost has to be on the hook for him and and they have to be willing to go back go to bat for him and so that puts them in the position of we're each responsible for our own actions, but they are. They are saying, no, 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 I'm investing in this person's life, and, and we're walking this out with him. Yeah. So I, I'm, I would be a no, and, and Tony, uh, get ready because you're, you're on deck here to 
kind of I want you to engage with Chase's question there as well. But um, I'm, I'm I would be a no to someone serving in the church who is defiantly affirming and embracing homosexual lifestyle, as in there is nothing wrong here. Because I think to me that shows an unregenerate mindset and heart. And to me, positions of service within the church. So if you are you know you are joining with the church and you are serving other people, there is a kind of a stamp uh, on you by the leadership of the church that says, "Hey, we recognize this person is a fellow brother or sister in Christ who wants to enter into Christian yes. service, and we want to affirm that." And I don't, you can't, in my mind, do that with someone who is actively embracing defiantly some type of sinful lifestyle, you know, contrary to Scripture. I agree. In, in your case, and for for James, um. I see, to me, I see the Spirit's work in his life there. You know, Galatians 5 says, I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not carry out the desires of the flesh, for the flesh sets its desires against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. For these are in opposition to one another, so that you may not do the things that you please. So there's, the Bible shows us a war between flesh and spirit for the godly, for those who are regenerate uh, in Christ. And I think there could be times where you're losing that war and you have to take a sabbatical or you have to step down or you have to step away because you are just, for whatever reason, at that moment, you're losing that war and you need to focus on your own self and soul. But just to say because someone has that battle and they continually go back to that battle, I would not say that's immediately disqualifying of service. I I have continual temptations that I deal with and I, I try to be very open with you guys about and, and, uh, and other people here, you know, at the church that I'm close to. And, you know, if if you have to be, uh, you know, above the battle where, where there is no struggle, then I'm not qualified uh, to to serve. Uh, so, uh, Tony, what, what are your thoughts on that, uh, that topic? Um, using Chase's example, um, I immediately go to uh, Peter uh, when he was trying to be um, pious and uh, sanctimonious and religious and asked the Lord, how many times should I forgive my brother? And, of course, Jesus made the statement, seven times 70. And um, we all know, of course, that Jesus didn't mean count 490 times and then that 491st time you don't forgive him. But... That the point was is that a person who's truly repentant, forgiveness should follow, and it was the and Peter was saying the same sin. It wasn't it wasn't a different sin, it was the same one. So, I want I want to make a difference between or, or point out the difference between someone who says, "I'm just going to keep doing this. I don't see a problem," and somebody who says, "I'm struggling with this. It's an issue in my life." And I am trying to live out the grace of God in my life in this area. And I think that's a vast difference. I think that, mm-hmm. and we see this with the, with the, and I hate to beat the dead horse, but we see this with the, with the homosexual lifestyle, um, it, it, that those like the Matthew Vines and stuff, that they're, they're just affirming that that is uh, okay. That's a vast difference between somebody yeah. who comes to you and says, hey, I'm dealing with this, I'm hurting. And it's given me problems, and uh, I think that's a big difference. Yeah, 
That's, that's a good answer. I think we all kind of fall down in a similar place. I probably need to move on. I will make one more comment. I meant to say it earlier, uh, kind of getting back to the, the choir aspect of the story, the, uh, the, the Brian Houston aspect of the story. I do I, – I, I detect – and I, if this is ungodly speculation, I, I apologize. I'm not trying to do that. But just based on what I've read and uh, you know a little bit of the paying attention I've done, I do think there is a – a, a possibly sizable difference between Carl Lenz, who's the pastor of Hillsong, New York, where this uh, choir director was was uh, supposedly in leadership. I think there's a pretty big difference between his theology of homosexuality and the the statement that Brian Houston has put out. And and just reading a little bit of the backstory, I think probably some of what happened here. It might be reflected in the difference in theology between those two guys. And and this is, I guess, the speculation. I wonder at some point if that's going to come to a head or if that's – Carl Lenz is a rock star pastor in the United States of America. Hillsong, New York is exploding in growth. Um, He's – Good friends with Bieber, I think. He is. He and his wife both. Uh, and both of them are loath to say anything – really biblical about homosexuality at all. In fact, asked about it, they will demur and not even give an answer. I can understand not wanting to uh, give a a dismissive answer that could be misinterpreted, but when you're repeatedly asked a question about something that the Bible is very clear on and you decline answering, that's that can be nothing but compromise. And ultimately, Brian Houston has not done that. Brian Houston has given a answer and a good one. Um, Carl Lenz needs to do the same thing, um, and I will be hoping that he does. He also needs to get some different preaching attire. Oh, you don't like his outfits? Uh, leather jacket look, with tank top. I couldn't wear it, but he looks cool. I, I, it's cool. I mean, it's a cool guy. look. I mean, it's a cool look. Maybe, maybe it's fine. Hey, right. you guys are married. Uh, okay. Well, I mean, he couldn't be. There was the, only a pastor that actually sold clothes that you could preach in. I'm not a judge. Then we would be cool. <laughs> I'm not a good judge of whether <laughs> men are attractive or not. Like good looking. Thank God. But. Um, he probably couldn't serve in your choir. No, not. Prob- probably no, not. No, certainly not. That. Yeah. I, I would. All right, we, we are going to fi- we're going to finish up the show, and this is a, a segue because Brian Houston. We're about to actually hear from him, so we're bringing in again um, at Adhesive Wombat on Twitter, one of the very first listeners ever to the Gospel Friends him. podcast. God bless him. The first recipient of a box of cereal, right? Oh wait, did we ever dump that off at his house? No, your children ate it. Oh, that's right. He was supposed to get the cereal, and my kids ate it. Ate it. It was good. Um, so other people from out of state have gotten cereal, but but the guy that lives down the road, no. Sorry. That's good. That's well, so Let's talk about at, that. At, as the Driscoll turns, we're going to talk a little bit about t- tonight about um, Mark Driscoll, and there's been an update with Mark Driscoll. Um, you know, he's, he's – uh, got a website going, markdriscoll.org, which has been there for a while where you can kind of go and read some of his past material and things like that. What kind of piqued my interest in the last couple of weeks is there's a section on the website that's called Hear Sermons, and you can go back and listen to some of their his old messages from uh, Mars Hill. But he is actually now releasing new sermons, uh, or at least releasing new studies under the sermon heading. He just released um, – he's getting ready to go through Ecclesiastes, and he's released the first message from Ecclesiastes on chapter 1, 
verse 1 through 11. And he's doing these apparently just kind of from his home. Uh, you know, I don't think he's attempting to be anyone's pastor, just doing a study from his house, uh, but but seems to be pretty in-depth. Him and his family have moved to Phoenix, and so there's kind of a lot of speculation that maybe he's getting ready to, to try to start something up, although I have heard him say he honestly does not know what the next step is. They're just trying to be obedient to the Lord. Um, he has – there was a big controversy with him and Hillsong. I think he was supposed to be – uh, coming to speak at a Hillsong conference, there was a lot of people that, that kind of rose up in Australia and said, you know, a lot of controversy with that on the news. And so he backed out. Whether or not he was asked to back out or he just made that decision, I, I don't know. Well, David, we were going to have uh, Mark Driscoll <laughs> come and speak, but there was a huge controversy in but our congregation. And Brian just, Houston uh, do uh, that. did an interview about 40 minutes uh with Driscoll. We're going to play about five minutes of that interview now and then just uh, talk a little bit about what we've heard. Um, we've followed the Mark Driscoll story uh, pretty well. And in all honesty, I, I, I feel like there's a lot of guys out there. We were talking about one earlier, uh, Warren. I won't even mention his last name, but just some guys out there who I, I think have been on a a – to me, it's kind of a witch hunt against Driscoll from the beginning. And I, I've said, you go back and listen to some of the... Are you saying Mark Driscoll is a witch? No. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Uh, you that's, go back and listen that's to... That's worse than what anything Warren Throckmorton has said. You, you go back and listen to some of the episodes. I don't know. Rebellion? I have... I've, I very clearly think Bibled. Driscoll was in the wrong uh, by his own admission about quite a few things. Whether or not it was disqualifying from ministry is... I'm not sure, but I mean, no doubt he was in the error and at many points in his ministry. But I, I think there was a group of people who were out to see him removed from ministry, and, and until he was out of the pulpit, they were not going to be happy. And quite honestly, I don't think they'll be happy if he ever goes back into the pulpit. Like I, I imagine, as you start seeing him come back in to ministry. There will be see, a multitude of blogs writing about how horrible of a thing this is I, and warning I, the church about it. I think so, and um, I, I'm just not on that bandwagon. I think Driscoll has a lot to offer, and I think he has a lot to learn, just like I do, just like all of us on this podcast do, but I also still think he has a lot to offer. I think the gifts of God are irrevocable, and I think you've said before on this podcast the church would be better off with a uh, a repentant Strong, humble, humble Driscoll, Absolutely. who is walking in his giftings. Let's play. This is an interview Brian Houston did after Driscoll stepped out of the Hillsong Conference. Um, there's about 40 minutes worth, but we're only going to listen just about five minutes. Let's hear a little bit of this, and then we'll we'll kind of chat around about, about it. You obviously can't live in regret, but if you did have your time over again, what would you change? Yeah, I mean, I would have waited longer. Um, to start the church, I would have brought us under a godly spiritual couple in oversight to pastor us. I would have not went out until they said it was time. I would have had them serve as my oversight and governance. Um, I would have paid more attention to uh, emotional health and well-being and any bitterness in my own soul so that there wasn't anger or hurt or uh, defensiveness that was uh, that was driving some of my motivation. Uh, and uh, And I would have been um, more keen to draw grace out, um, 
so that we could work through some issues in our past so that we would have been more aligned and better friends early in the ministry. In more recent years, we've really worked on the friendship and we're very close. Um, but the early years, we, we didn't have that kind of connection that we do in more recent years. And, and that, that contributed to my, um, to my tone and, and my anger and it affected my disposition negatively. And that's my fault. I think for me, over the years, my perception of strong leadership has changed dramatically. Uh, I think what I thought was strong then was probably hothead basically. Mm-hmm. And what I see as strong now is coming out of a place of inner security, godly confidence, yeah. knowing where you're going. Yeah. So I can identify to a point at least in your journey. And, and the truth is everyone's made mistakes. Some obviously much bigger mistakes with much more difficult outcomes than others. But anyone who's been in the ministry for any period of time, and especially started young, they've made mistakes. So I don't feel personally like you're on your own in that. But obviously there's been a huge fallout from some of the mistakes you have made. Yeah. Yeah. There's Uh, been a progression from youth and trying to control things to make them happen versus over maturing years influence and loving people through that influence influencing them um by loving them to what's best for them and so i've watched that progression in him and it's been it's been wonderful to see i could ask you the next question by telling you a story many many years ago when you were pastor and our part of the world, who is very legalistic, very rigid, very legalistic, and in that very hard on other people. Mm -hmm. And then came a point in his life where he made a mistake and he desperately needed people and the people weren't there for him. He basically became a victim of his own world. You know, his own world devoured him. So if I look at your world and the way you ministered, even publicly in earlier years, uh, you know, you created an angry world, uh, and do you feel like perhaps it was that angry world that devoured you, the, the world that you yourself created? I think there there is a measure of truth in that, and I have no one to blame but myself. You can't um, have a certain tone or um, disposition, and then when that is reciprocated toward you, feel that you're a victim. Yeah. Um, so, and what's been interesting in this too, the people that have walked toward us with their hands out to love and encourage are people that are outside of our tribe. Um, there are new, there, there are some old friends that have stuck with us and been very wonderful to us, but a lot of new friends too, and people that, um, that we would disagree on some secondary theological issues and, uh, I had a friend who's maybe more like this person, a pastor, pretty legalistic, and there's a box for everything, and you've got to check all the right boxes. And he said, well, you know, some of these people, I don't think their theology is right. And I said, well, I think love and grace is good theology, and, uh, and it's not just what we put on paper. It's, it's how we treat one another. Well, I know, I know some of the people who have stood yeah. with you, and was that a surprise to you? Some of the people who have come and sort of just stood quietly with you? Yeah, and it's been very humbling. Um, and it's been very encouraging and very hopeful, like knowing whatever God has for us next, if these are the people that are wise counsel, um, we're just very richly blessed by that. I guess one of the, the things that you were known for, certainly in years gone by, 
was public criticism of other pastors and leaders. And probably the first time I actually ever heard of you wasn't because of your Bible teaching or because of your books or it was actually because of your attacks on other people. So I guess that would that be another area where you have regrets or would you still defend that? I would not defend that. Um, I feel like I have lost any right to criticize another pastor or leader. I, I believe that um, the lack of empathy causes me to think I knew what they were going through or what they should say or what they should do. Having gone through this very complicated season, um, I don't know what I'm supposed to say. I don't know what I'm supposed to do. And I certainly don't feel the right to tell others what they should say or do. And um, yeah, and I think going forward, the fact that um, some of the people that I have criticized have been the most loving and kind toward me. Um, it's God's kindness that leads us to repentance, and sometimes that kindness comes through others um, that have no obligation to be kind and gracious uh, because you have not been with them. And so, um, yeah, so we've seen we've seen some remarkable grace and kindness from people that uh, that I did not give that to them, but they have given that to us, um, and that has been uh, deeply convicting and and brought about repentance. and And there's a list of people, pastors that I've contacted or called to apologize to and uh, to ask forgiveness from. And I don't want to do that publicly because I don't want to cause them more drama or pain. Uh, but that has been part of the journey. All right, you can. Um Hear that full interview. It's like there's two two videos. Usually, I think they're I think they're somewhere around 25 minutes or so a piece, uh, 20 minutes a piece. There's a good 40, 45 minutes worth of content. Uh, it's actually on Brian Houston's website. So it's uh, brianchouston.com, and there are two interviews with Mark and Grace Driscoll. Um, we don't have a lot of time uh, in on this, but you know, I, I've listened. I don't know if you guys have listened to the interviews. I know Tony, you did, so I'd like to hear your comments. Um, and if you guys have, have heard any uh, or, or just based on this clip, I will say that I, I would really recommend anyone who has kind of a lot of the doubts about Driscoll just kind of go out and listen to these interviews. I think this is the most contrite I have heard him. Tony, uh, we were talking about that pre-show. I think you had a very similar response. Um, I did not hear him in any of the 40, 45 minutes. I did not personally hear him placing the blame on anyone else. Um trying to criticize anyone else. He was even asked at one point, Brian Houston, you know, did he want to respond to any of the things that were said that were not true? He he just did not take that opportunity. Um, he just, he said, you know, he passed. Um, so for me, I thought it was very positive um, hearing, hearing, hearing what he said in these interviews. Uh, I want to, I want to kind of throw out uh, kind of a callback, if we had Emmanuel's repentometer, I think it, I think it would have pegged out on Driscoll's interview. Now, now to get serious, um, having having been through, obviously not the same type of situation, but a similar situation, at least in in the sense that uh, he had to step down because of um, uh, issues, and I had to step down because of my issues. Um, the journey back, the journey back to repentance, is um, is a difficult one. Um, it's difficult for a pastor because just because of the the the, the spotlight that's put on them, um, you stand in front of a congregation 
even if you don't claim to have authority, you're using authority to teach and preach. Uh, and that's a hard thing to uh, gain back. Uh, as part of the restoration process for me, uh, I had to appear before a board of, of uh, some elders in our in our congreg or in our uh, denomination, and uh, one of the gentlemen who uh, happened to be placed on that board just for that day was somebody who I'd had private conversations about who doubted that that was something that somebody could do, that somebody could go back into the ministry. And so we actually had a really lengthy discussion uh, in that uh, meeting, um, and they were the ones who were going to recommend whether I would be restored or not be restored, um, or, or reinstated would be better to say. Uh, and um, he actually ended up voting to reinstate me. Um, but he asked hard questions, and he asked... Um, Questions like, um, you know, there's going to be people that look at you that that knows what you did, and they're going to have a hard time listening to you. And I could not disagree, uh, or I couldn't agree more. That's true. That's going to happen. But uh, the journey of repentance has to be brighter and stronger than the downfall. And I think that's what Driscoll has begun to do. Uh, I think this was a huge step in the process for him. Um, and I'm like you, David. I don't see anything in this where he there. There was no excusing of what he had done. There was no deflection, and there was no blame. Um, and 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 in I, I've never seen Driscoll so uh, humble. Uh, and yet that gift of leading men that he has, I was ready to follow him. Right? You know, I was listening to him. And I'm ready to follow Driscoll. Because uh, he does have that type of gift, he has that kind of gift that young men, men just just are attracted to him as a leader. Yeah, and uh, and I look forward to that being being used again uh, for the for the cause of Christ. Yeah, amen to that. And I think and you know, I think there will be people who are just again, it, it's they weren't Driscoll fans to begin with because of and it may a lot of it may just come down to teaching I and mean, there's a lot of people who just simply do not like his stance on um, men and women roles and complementarian roles and he's always been a very strong complementarian and and uh, has you know he some of his comments that he made in the past were very uh, quite honestly anti uh, women and very um, destructive toward women, and he he talks about this in the video, and it really goes out of his way. I felt like to apologize for that, and 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 um, and, and accept responsibility. But um, you know, he is uh, even there said he has always loved and respected women, and his wife affirmed that. Even though his tone, as his wife said, and as he said, his tone was wrong. Um, his heart was. They felt you know she felt was in the right place, but. I think those people who don't like him for those reasons will continue to not like him, and that's that's fine. Uh, it's not it's not my you know point or place to try to get people to like Driscoll, um, but I I think there are other people who may just have that question, you know, of well, is he reinstating himself? And he talks about in the video that there have been some older, wiser people that have come into his life, and it sounds like he he had submitted to their leadership. And I, I don't want to put words in his mouth because I'm not sure he ever uses those words. I think he talks about them giving him wise counsel. And, you know, he talks about at one point in the video that 
that's something he wished he had done uh, earlier. That he he wishes that he had he had really kind of placed counsel over himself in a, in, in you know in a, in a earlier in life. But but I would say I mean Tony and and I was you know want you to speak to this being you've went through this restoration process so there was a a um, uh, based on your testimony on previous episodes, you had this moral failure. Uh, you worked through that in your family, um, and and then you began working through you know a restoration process for your denomination because um, uh, you were a pastor at the time, and that restoration process has not been in your hands. I mean, based on what you just said, and I mean you had things to do, but I'm saying it was someone else's decision. It was ultimately you were not reinstating yourself. And to me, that's probably what people are going to, you know, wonder about with Driscoll. It seems to me that's the most important part of restoration is that it's, it's other people, maybe older, wiser, um, or at least people that you have submitted to who are restoring you unto ministry. Not just you yeah, say, that- not just you saying, Hey, I'm ready to come back. Yeah, that's an accurate way to describe it. I would I would kind of parse it out a little bit by saying there were things that I had to do for restoration, but there were things that others had to do for reinstate uh, to reinstate me. Uh, I could not reinstate myself. That had to be proven out. Uh, and I and I talked about on this show uh, and even posted in the Hall of Dogma uh, the Pink Pig. As part of the restoration process, I remember that um, God God used a lot of different things to bring me to restoration, and and I wanted to take just a moment, and I'm not blowing you guys' skirts up, but you guys are part of the reason that uh, a huge reason why uh, the restoration process has has uh, has taken place. Um, being able to have a pr- platform to talk about what had happened to me, and God used that. There have been some people that have reached out to me because of the the appearance I made on the show and um, had dealt with some serious issues in their own family and uh, in their own ministry, of course, too. So uh, you guys are, you know, a big reason why I'm I'm here where I'm at now. Um, You know, God used a lot of things. The, The pastor that I sit under now, uh, that I have set under basically for the last seven years or so. Um, he was a strong uh, leader. Uh, he was a disciplinarian, and he held me to a pretty tight rein. But he also said to me one day, and I and I, I mentioned this when I thanked the church for everything they had done. I mentioned that he said to me one day, uh, the most powerful statement that he ever said to me was, I came to him, somebody asked me to teach a class, and I didn't want to do anything that would that would cause any problems. So I went to him first. I said, listen, they want me to teach this class. I don't want to do anything. He said, Tony, I trust you. Mm-hmm. And he had, no reason to tr- he had no reason to trust me, but he said that. And it was almost as if God had said the same thing to me, that God said to me, Tony, I trust you. And I, and I think about what, and I go back to Peter again, when he was sitting on that s- seashore, and uh, you know, the Lord said, Peter, do you love me? And uh, I think Peter was learning there that, you know, the Lord would put trust in him when he didn't deserve the trust. And that is a huge, huge thing. And uh, that's part, part of what, uh, what brought me out of where I, where I was at in a very dark place at one point. Well, yeah, first of all, you know, 
praise God, Tony, for uh, your words, and, and we're very thankful, and uh, yeah. that was very honoring toward us. Uh, just to clarify, Chase, kind. Chase is the only one tonight wearing a skirt, so he's the only one you, you could have yeah. blown a skirt up. But um, well, I don't know uh, any scripture that says that's wrong. Uh, uh, <laughs> Absolutely. And our, uh, I don't know Scottish what I expected Our Scottish brothers. Exactly. Uh, it's not hey, a Mackie. skirt. It's a kilt. Uh, Galatians 6.1, brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in a sin, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently. I think what has happened, and obviously, Tony, you know, based on our previous conversations, I'm sure um, your choice, if you had it to do over, would be to have never went through this to begin with. But as it, as it happened, um, it, it sounds like, from what I can see from a distance, your restoration has been very biblical um, along the lines of Galatians 6, done in a right and gentle way. And and um, and the gifts and callings of God are irrevocable. And so I, I, I trust that he will continue to use you mightily, even as he has during this time that you've been uh, dealing with this issue. Chase, I'm going to give you the kind of final thoughts on this, uh, this discussion just about Driscoll and re- uh, restoration. I... Uh I like Mark Driscoll. I, I think he's made some mistakes. I think the large majority of the people criticizing him have also made some significant mistakes. I think ultimately it's going to be a good thing that Driscoll stepped down, had this period uh, to be grounded in humility. Um, that's a terrible thing, but probably would serve most leaders well, uh, myself included. When I hear Driscoll say, I will not defend – like Houston asked him – what I thought was a pretty good question. Houston made the statement, first time I heard of, I heard of you, Mark, was that when I – you know, was, was you criticizing other leaders? You know, have you rethought that essentially was the question. And, and Driscoll said, I will not defend that. I have lost any right to criticize or attack another leader. Um, you know, wow, that – that really sounds humble. I mean, you could kind of assume that Driscoll is lying or, or being falsely humble, but uh, I think First Corinthians 13, we're supposed to love him and love believe. There's a, there's a certain amount of credulousness in love, and I believe him. Um, I, I, believe, uh, I believe what Driscoll's saying. Um, you know the the verse David rest referenced Galatians six one brothers if anyone is caught in a transgression you are who you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness there is a sense in which restoration to ministry for those who are fallen and genuinely repentant and who have gone through a period of of both discipline, humbling, and restoration, there's a sense that that should happen. I find nothing in Scripture, and David, correct me if I'm wrong, Tony, you too, or, or Nick, I find nothing in Scripture that says, uh, that gives circumstances for the permanent disqualification of a minister. Rather, instead, I find ongoing qualifications for ministers in First uh, Timothy three and in Titus one, and um, I think that what God is doing in Driscoll's life is bringing him to a place of being uh, above reproach, mm-hmm. and uh, I I rejoice at this, and and I honestly I'm I'm quite um, frustrated with those who might. Uh, go on the attack about this. 
do something different with your time and your words, attackers. I'm That's sure good. they will hear that and heed. They should heed my call. Warren Warren <laughs> will probably take his website down tonight. Oh wow! Well, I think he's already pulled the plug on the DNS <laughs> server. Hey, I agree. I agree with you. I think <laughs> repentance there is the key. I think I think someone is repentant. I, I don't see permanent disqualification from serving um, and ministry and using your gifts. I, I think if repentance is not there, it's a much different story. And I, I've been involved in some of those situations where you have somebody who has sinned, and they want a period of time to go by, and then they want restoration and have even asked for restoration based on um, this amount of time has went by. Mm-hmm. And I don't think the time has anything to do with it. It is about repentance. It is about whether or not you have um, you have come to see what what you did was sinful and if, have you turned from that. Yeah. Um, did you ever get rid of your Driscoll fan club membership card? Oh, no, no, no. no. We're, okay. we're still good. We, we still meet. We meet monthly, drink a couple of uh, Guinness and yell at each other. I paid my membership <laughs> 10 years in advance, so I'm, I'm good for the next okay. eight. Can, so I just, can I just say that I, I, I was turned to you. I was turned towards you, responding to your last comment. I was talking to you. I noticed And that. in the middle of that, you got up and left the room. <laughs> hey, don't break the fourth wall, David. Okay, I mean, I'm You're sorry. not supposed to I'm know sorry. that. Nick, take us out of here. Our, our children <laughs> take us out of here. Yeah, from me. Thank um, Tony for being here and take us out of here. <laughs> Look, Director, thank you for your patience. Do you have any parting words before we just shut this thing down? Yeah, let me just say thank you, guys. Um, uh, one of the things that I said to, uh, and I just want to reiterate what Chase just said, one of the things I said to this brother that I was talking about was that if it was about me, I would have just went somewhere else and somebody would have put me in somewhere. But it wasn't about me. It's about the Lord. And anything that I do at this point forward is is hopefully to his glory and nothing to mine because um, I've been stripped away to, to nothingness now. So um, I don't don't need it, don't want it, um, just seeking his glory. So that's the that's the deal. Hey, if right. people want to listen to your podcast, where do they uh, – where would they go? Go to iTunes for everything according to Tony Vance. Okay. I'm on there. Uh, and usually I post on Mondays usually. Okay. So. Do you, ooh, what, did you, what did you do? Dude, have you just been attacked by – Run. Was that a vicious mule? Was that a mule? Crazy dogs. Was that a mule? Oh, my gosh. You were was, was not a mule. Was that mule. is funny. If it's sterile, then you probably – that's one clue that it could be a mule. Do you do you use the Twitters or, or the blogosphere, Tony? Yeah, I, I'm on – Tony's uh, a blogger. I'm on – I'm I'm on the Twitter at at Tony Vance nineteen sixty six. I do blogs on my website. The easiest way to find me on uh, my website is just search for author Tony Vance, and you'll pop up my website. Okay. Um, but I do blogs on her, and I am doing a blog a series on uh, Tim Keller's preaching book right yeah. now. Okay. Cool. Awesome. All right. Well, we'll have all that on the show notes. Um, you can find that at thegospelfriends.com. Um, that's going to have links to our Twitter feed as well as the Hall of Dogma. Um, we would love for some feedback on this topic, and I know we've definitely pushed on some hot buttons for different folks. And so um, we love the discussion because I, you know, it, that, that's part of what works about this whole brotherhood and, and faith family thing. So uh, hit us up on thegospelfriends.com. You can find all the ways to contact us twitter at my gospel friends hall of dogma.com always voicemail 205-575-9735 
or speakpipe.com slash the gospel friends. Um, that's going to be a wrap for this week. We hope to see you soon next week. Um, thanks again to the director. Um, appreciate his time, but also praise God for the work he has done in his life yes. and um, the hope that I hope it is to many, um, including myself and I think that the, the two other hosts as well. Um, that's going to do it. Tune in next week when you may hear David say, Hey, look, it's a group of ugly people. Let's recruit them for the choir. What you doing right now? We were ready to record a podcast. Well, I'm actually recording the podcast, so what are you doing? Oh. I was trying to think of a story to replace the stupid Brock Houston <laughs> choir story. <laughs> it's not about the choir. Why are we even talking about a choir? We don't even have choirs anymore, right? Wait, I bet Tony's church has a choir. Tony, does your church have a choir? We have a choir, and I'm actually the third string choir director. Nice. Third string. Third so, string, yeah. It's, if the first string's gone and the second string's gone, you guys take over? Yep. Who's I mean, I'm the man. Who's our third string choir guy here? Your mom. Okay. Your mom leads a great choir. Yeah. She's she probably good, actually. She also, she, does great during, she also does great during Q&A. You know. <laughs> She's gifted at that. What are you right. doing, dude? I'm, re- I'm, I'm ready to record a show. Let's do you it. You guys ready? Yep. Belts off. Cookies. I don't I don't have pants on, so this is appropriate. Oh. Okay. There's You're a title. All star level. Episode level podcast. 63. I don't have I don't have pants on. I'm ready. Yes, to go. sir. Okay. <laughs> this is is 63. Brought to you this week by. I'm not gonna do this.